Well, Patrick, I'm excited that we are continuing this series on kingdom finances. Amen. I think God is digging something out in these days where he's helping us to understand the economy of heaven is different than the economy of earth. Amen. But when we operate by kingdom principles, it changes everything. Yes, it does. That's a good thing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There is nothing better than finding out that the kingdom of God is limitless. And because it's limitless, that means there are no restrictions on what God can get to you. Therefore, there's no restriction on what God can do through you. Amen. If you disagree. Amen. That's awesome. What do you think so far? I've been loving it. I love uh, with this series, this resetting foundations. We were just talking about that a minute ago, how uh, just clearing up the flow. God's those rivers we've been talking about and anything that's been in the way or blocking part of that flow, either be unbelief. Uh, wrong believing, mm. um, just th- things we've learned over the years that may not have been correct. Yes. I love how teachings of this sort really clear that up. That way, the resources of God can flow clearly mm. and really flow through you. Because a lot of times, I feel sometimes we'll think we're believing God. Yes. But we're actually maybe believing, uh, you know, uh, something men have created. And then we get confused wondering why God's not meeting us in this department or... Mm. You know, when you sow somewhere that's not fertile soil and then... Absolutely. But not realizing it's not God. It's just the principle or the, the foundation is not correct. So The foundation. Yeah. So the, the correcting foundations and just being encouraged in finances. I love the encouragement, you know, in this season to really grab a hold of anything. Any loose mm. ends, tie them up now. Anything that uh, I've been getting away from you, mm. I believe the Lord has brought opportunity to settle Yes, to get uh, get your bearings on mm. and to really begin to sow properly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like what you said. I think it is it's an essential thing for us to grasp right now is the Lord is helping us to understand in the places where we've been out of balance, yes. out of order or out of the word where we haven't been flowing properly in principles. The Lord is letting us tie up those loose ends mm. so that in this season where we're about to move forward gain momentum, take new territory, see God move in a supernatural way financially. It's a perfect season for us to lay good financial kingdom principles because while the economy of the world has been shaken and it's going to be rebuilding over the next year to year and a half, it's going to take that season to get things really fully back to where they were. We have to rebuild the right way or we're going to repeat the patterns we'll in the repeat future. repeat it, absolutely. Yeah. Amen. So let's look at something today. All right. Let's talk about the power of the tithe. Amen. I love talking about tithing. <laughs> Me too. I love talking about this stuff. See, that's one of the things I've noticed over time. We've spoken about this several times. Sure. We've looked at scripture. For those that understand tithing, it's a place of freedom. It's a joy. It's a place of freedom. For those that don't understand tithing, it's a bondage and a burden. <laughs> Almost like reading the book of Job if you're not looking. <laughs> some people don't like it. Some people like it. It just depends how you're looking through it, looking at it, right? If you're reading the book of Job and you're crying the whole time, or you're reading the book of uh, Revelation uh, right, and you're yeah. having nightmares, then you're not having the right <laughs> understanding. So the Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. So we want to bring some understanding to the area of tithing. So let's dig in. And let me put in there. Yes. I also like to talk about it mm. because I need I need the Lord to to slap me around a little bit sometimes, you know? 
Yes. I do well, you know, as far as keeping up. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you kind of. Yeah. And so anytime I get to talk about tithing or giving or finances, I need it. I Come want on. it because I know I need to be constantly reminded. That's right. I want to be constantly reminded. So uh, I like I like getting hit by it, you know, here and there. Yes, I need sir. It. So what well, we all do. Yeah, we all do. I love it. Anything worth doing is not always comfortable. Right. But it's always powerful. Yes. And so let's let's shake up some of that comfort. All right. When we talk about tithing, I want us to grab hold of a couple of things. Before we dig into uh, the scriptures on tithing, I want to grab a hold of Proverbs 11, 23 okay. through 26. Such a powerful verse, but Proverbs 11, 23 through 26. We all may have read it, but if you haven't, you need to get this out in your word and look at it and make this part of your mindset. Remember, things will only be foreign to you until they become normal in your thinking. It can't become normal in your thinking until you feed it into your eyes and in your ears so that it resets your mind. Amen. So let's look. Proverbs 11, 23 through 26. And the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is that scatters and yet increases. There is that withholds more than is good, but it leads to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. He that waters shall be watered himself. He that withholds corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Now, I love that passage because this entire passage is talking about the power of giving. Yes. Living with a mindset of giving. The verse says, the desire of the righteous is only good. So we as believers, we have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because we are the righteousness of God, we are walking in righteousness. We are made righteous before him. So the desire of the righteous is only good. It literally means your heart, the things you long for, will only be things that are good. It will always mm -hmm. produce life. But the expectation of the wicked is wrath. So the expectation, two different words. The desire of the righteous is only good. The expectation expectation of the wicked leads to wrath. That word desire, it literally, it is to'ava, to'ava. And it means desire, object of desire, the thing you long for. So it says the righteous, what they long for is good. Amen. But the expectation of the wicked, the hope of the guilty. That oh. word wicked means criminal. Hmm. <laughs> it's a rosha. Rosha, wicked, criminal, lawbreaker. So the desire of the righteous, the deep longing of those that walk with God is good things. But the lust, the craving, the wants, the hope of the criminal or the lawbreaker will always lead to, now check this out, the word for wrath is an outburst 
an excess display of fury Mm. or arrogance. It literally means for those that are righteous, what you want will be good stuff. For those that hope and desire wicked criminal things, for those that want to break the law, for those that want to fight the word of God, for those that don't want to do what is good, all that you really want is outburst of arrogance and to be right. Mm, it's like a burning fire. It's a burning fire. Mm. The second verse says it connects together. So if a righteous man desires good and a wicked man expects an outburst of their own emotional turmoil, he that scatters will yet increase. He that withholds more than is good will lend to poverty. So now we understand the scripture says you cannot increase until you scatter. Yes. So until you give away, until you disperse, it means like dispersing seed until you throw out of your hand the seed that God has given you until you release the resources that are in your house, you cannot increase. Now, this is essential because for us in the kingdom, It literally means the law of the kingdom is life in God is you will never increase until you first choose to decrease. Which is a counterintuitive of the world. It's counterintuitive. Yes. So the opposite thought in the world is the only way I can have enough is to grab it and hold it. Right. Part of that poverty mindset or fear necessarily that it won't be more after this. That's good. That's good. Fear will make me hold what could become my seed. Hmm. Faith will make me release so I can get a harvest. So they see it as seed. Yes. So that faith helps to get their vision correctly on what it is that they hold in their hand. Come on. That's good. So your perspective will determine whether you see money as seed or as survival. A tool or uh, just getting by. Absolutely. So those that scatter will increase. Those that withhold more than is good. So those that withhold more than is, that word for good is the same word uh, in the King James. It's more than is meat. Uh, Yosher, Yosher. It means evenness, upright, or what is proper. So those that hold back more than is proper more than is biblical, more than is necessary. Those that hold back the part they should be giving away, you have opened the door to poverty Mm. by holding the part you should be sowing. So it literally means poverty could not find you if you continue to sow repetitively. But since you keep holding your seed, believing that the harvest isn't coming, poverty says, oh, an unbeliever. (laughs) I have a right to follow them home. I have legal right to sit in the middle of their resources because they don't really believe God is just. They don't believe that God has partnered with them. They don't believe that God is big enough to give them more off of the 90 that they have than the 100 that they think they should possess. So your lack of trusting God opens a door for the enemy to say, I have the legal right to be in your house. 
so it's like the law that law of the spirit is now not applicable mm. even though it's there and exists yeah there's not being partnered with for it to push back that push that back absolutely everything in the kingdom of god must you have to partner with god right. so god says you're healed but you have to claim your healing believe you're healed the lord says i'll bless your marriage but be good to your wife right the lord says i'll bless your children but teach them the ways of the lord so there is that equal opposite if you then i will so god says your part is I'll bless you financially if you partner with me. Right. So if you partner, I increase the risk. It kind of goes back to, I think we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. I brought, well, the Lord knows my heart, so he knows I'm going to do A, B, C, or D, mm -hmm. which reminds me of uh, Moses, I think it was in Deuteronomy when he mm -hmm. spoke to the children of Israel and says, these years in the desert was to try your heart, to see, yes. just like with... Uh, laid Isaac down was to try his heart. That's right. The same principle, would you say? Yeah. There has to be an associated action to really come into uh, agreement with that law? Completely. Completely. And there is a level of authority you do not gain until you pass the test, the test. of mastering your own soul. So what happens is every time you obey God, Every time you walk out the word, this is not legalism. This is principles in practice that produce power. Wow. So principles always produce power. Legalism produces death and a bondage to thoughts and ideas of man about who God is. Mm -hmm. Principles is because of who I am, I will give you this. That's a principle. Yes. Legalism is because of who I don't know God to be. Hmm. I have to do all these things to find him and to please him. No, a principle is because I know he is good and I know he is powerful and I know he is righteous. Yes. Then when I do this, all that he has will show up for me. Amen. Different expectation. But you have to agree and partner with God. I like this. Me too. Now, he says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. I love that. The liberal soul shall be made mm. fat. It literally means the one who has determined to give ridiculously, yes. the outrageous giver. Outrageous giver. I love that. Just I'm just giving all the time, blessing all the time. He says, you shall be made fat. fat. That word fat means pr become prosperous, become full, to grow fatter than those around you, to make fat with abundance. It also means to anoint. Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, wow, okay. So the liberal soul shall be full, overflowing, prosperous, and anointed. Anointed to do what? Hmm. If the root word means prosperous, it means if you are a liberal blesser and giver to other people, God will anoint you to be a giver and bless for the rest of your life. Wow, okay. So because I'm giving now, God said, let me anoint you Boom. to stay a giver. He'll increase it. Yes. So you go from being someone who's able to give a little bit to your church now or a little bit to the homeless mission or a little bit to the kid who couldn't pay for college and you bless them. You go from being a little bit of a giver, but you were liberal in your giving. I see. Does it? Go ahead. That now God says, since you gave $10 when you only had 20, that's liberal. That's more than you really had. Right. Then I can trust you to give 500 when you have 1,000. My, my. Which means, well, now I'm going to bless you to give 5000 when you have 10000 
but then I'll increase you to give 500,000 when you have a million. God says, since you have stayed liberal in your giving, let me up the level of what you can give because I trust you never to be greedy. My, my, amen. Yeah. Now with that, the, uh, the anointing part of the word fat, is that similar to when, you know, when, when we're supposed to sow into it, say if you have a prophetic call or a worship, mm. a worship ministry call and, you know, you tithe and then you give an offering to those mm-hmm. ministries because you want to sow into them because you believe in them, but you yes. also want to be like them in a sense. Absolutely. Is that part of that? Um, be made fat. That yes. anointing, that that similar anointing, also will arise in you. It's the oil that you sow into comes upon you. The oil that you sow into. I know that's getting down a different path a little no, bit. No, no, it's good. It all connects. The oil you sow into flows on your life. Whatever you partner with you can participate in. So if you partner with a ministry and you say, I like what's on them and Lord, I want to see that on my life. Yes. There are prophetic ministries. There are teaching ministries. There are ministries with great um, healing flows. I began to partner with those ministries financially 25, 30 years ago Mm -hmm. because I would pray and say, Lord, I want to see that on my life. And the Lord would say to me, then sow something into them every month. I go, Lord, but I'm just, and I would pray. Lord, let what they're doing, I want to see that in my own ministry. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said, you can ask me for that every day, but the fastest way you can speed up that prayer being answered is pour water on their hands. On their hands, Paul. I said, oh. He said, if you bless the prophet, you get the prophet's reward. If you sow into their field, you get to eat the fruit of what grows in their field. And then also me, like you said, with the pouring of water, even if it's not financial, there's a ministry. Just help in any way you can. In Time, any way you talent, can. treasure. Yes. Will you also yield? Absolutely. See, it's not limited to money. Now, we're going to keep talking about the tithe, and the tithe does with, deal, deals with money and resources. But giving is more than that. So if you don't have money, then you volunteer time. You volunteer prayer. Pray for that ministry. Sow prayer into that ministry. Um, I knew a group of widows who they had really no money at all. But they called and said, we believe the Lord is telling us to partner with your ministry. And we don't have any money. I said, well, y'all have time. They said, yes. I said, then would you tithe a tenth of your day, one day a week, Hmm. into praying for this ministry? I said, give us two hours and 15 minutes. Wow. They said, you've got it. I said, tithe that time. And what we're going to do is ask God to pour back into your lives time, energy, resources, finances, abundance. And our ministry began to explode because they began to tithe prayer, a tithe of their time, aim their prayer toward the ministry. They poured water on us through prayer and intercession. They began to see breakthrough financially, breakthrough in their family, and we had breakthrough because we had an increase of prayer being aimed towards. Wow, I like that. Yes, sir. That I don't want to get too off track, but let me ask one one -hmm. last question because it made me think of uh, when I was looking at Leviticus twenty seven. It said, "Whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree." Yes, is is that a similar concept? Whether it's this, whether it's that, or is that something entirely different? It's it's a little bit different. Um, when it's talking about whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, what he's saying is that 
So the seed of the land is there is time when whether it's corn or wheat or so that now becomes an offering that you give to the Lord. But that's not the fruit of the tree that becomes seed of the land. So you would separate the wheat and the chaff right. and you would weigh the wheat and you take a tenth of that wheat. You would take the barley, beat it down, separate it. So that's the seed okay. that would be ground up to make flour that would one day become bread. He says, well, you give that as an offering as well. So you separate that and that become corn that's dried. Take the certain number of ears that are left over, pull those out first. That becomes now a tithe unto the Lord. So he says, whether it's that of the land, which is grain. grain. So where it says seed there, it literally means grain. Okay. So take from the grain, he says, or if you are a farmer that has fruit and you've got dates, oranges, limes, whatever, he said, or apples, take a tithe of the fruit and give that to the Lord. So whether grain or fruit, give both to the Lord. Okay. Yeah. All right. Amen. Now I love this. And it's funny, it goes on when it says, he that withholds corn, oh. <laughs> the people shall curse him. So that goes exactly That's what you're funny. talking about. I forgot those coming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when you said, oh, this may be going somewhere else. I'm like, no, it's the next verse. <laughs> you're right. He that withholds corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Now, this is so connected. It literally means when it's time to give, if you withhold corn. So now when we're taking the harvest in, and you're bringing in your corn, your wheat, your grain, and you go, ooh, that's too much to give. Oh, I see. So you hold that part Right, back. I've been there. <laughs> yes. It says the people shall curse him. Now, this is interesting. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. It literally, check this out. It means to pierce or to perforate, to perforate to curse or to blaspheme. Now, oh, what? Does, yeah, that's a heavy word. What yeah. does that mean? It literally means he that withholds corn, the people shall curse him. It means when you become someone who starts holding back for yourself because you live in fear, I'm not going to give this to the Lord. I'm not going to bless people. It's not talking about just giving to the Lord. It's talking about when I refuse to be a blesser, when I start becoming greedy and focused on just myself, right. when the only person who I care about the survival is us four and no more. He says, when you become like that, the people will curse you. Now, what does that word curse mean? It means that perforate. It means to puncture your reputation. Wow. It means that what people will say about you is, yeah, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't care about anybody but himself. Yeah, it's a nice ministry, but they don't ever bless the neighborhood. Sounds like you're going to start leaking oil, too. It's exactly what it is. Mm. Now, there's a lot of people who lose momentum in their ministries, in their businesses, in their connections, because they don't realize your reputation has a hole in it. God says, I will let people, the people shall curse you. They will blow up your reputation. Why? Because greed is visible and fear is tangible. And when that is always around you, the liberal soul shall be made fat. But those that live in fear and always gathering for themselves, and I can't give my employees a raise because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And I'm not going to buy my kids anything because ah, next month might be bad. We understand when you're in a season of survival, but many of us from fear 
and poverty mindsets, stayed stuck in a place where even when God blessed us, we never blessed anybody else. And to live in a place where you're constantly hoarding for yourself and never giving to another, it says everybody will see it and that's what they will talk about. They will puncture your reputation by simply saying what they see. He takes corn and never sells it. Mm. He takes the blessing and never shares it. She gets blessed by God, but she doesn't bless her family. Look at how God has blessed them with new jobs, new house, new cars, but they don't even tithe anymore. It says people will see it and it becomes a language, but the blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. It literally means, what do you do? When you sell the grain, it's because you're going to share the proceeds. So the blessing will be upon the one who shares their harvest. And the people will puncture the reputation of the one who hoards the blessing. Good word. So if you want a good reputation, (laughs) if pastors, leaders who may hear this, if you want to be well spoken of, bless your community. Bless the people around you. You need to have feeding programs, giving clothes away, taking care of kids when they go back to school. If you are a blesser, if your church has the reputation of we take up a ton of money every week, but y'all never bless the neighborhood. You push the people to help build new buildings, but when they're hurting, do you show up and say, if you've been a tither in this church for a year, two years, three years, and you get into a hard place for two or three months, this church, because we have kept tithing records and we know you're a tither, this church is going to at least make sure your lights stay on for the next three months. We're going to make sure your kids have food. Why? Because you have shown yourself to be a liberal soul. You have been a blesser. You sold your corn to feed others. So you brought your blessing into the house and blessed the house. So guess what? This house is going to make sure you survive. That's how we're supposed to be operating. For every business, if you have the mindset of telling your employees, if you have been a faithful employee here for 12 months to a year and a half, and you continue on, then if you get into a situation, you don't have to be afraid of losing your job if something bad happens to you. I'm not talking about people who try to play the system. I'm talking about good people who have a hard situation. Then guess what? This company, this business is going to make sure we may not be able to pay you a ton, but you're going to have your job when you come back. We're going to make sure you're okay. That's how we liberal souls. That's good. Yes, sir. Now let's touch on this. Okay. Oh my goodness. There's so much in this. All right. Malachi chapter three, the power of the tithe. Verse seven in Malachi. Most of the time when we read Malachi, everybody starts at verse 10. Malachi three and 10. Is that worth that stealing from the house of God? Yes. Okay. Now everybody, there is no church in America that has not used that scripture at (laughs) offering time. We write it in programs. We put it on the wall. We even have songs about it. And so everybody knows it. The problem is you've got to back up There's and go to verse seven. There's some stuff before that. That's right. There's some stuff before. Now, verse seven says, even from the days of your fathers, you are away from my principles. When it says you are cursed with a curse, it literally just means you have walked away from my principles. Even from the days of your fathers, you are away from my principles. You walked away from the law. And you've ignored them. Return unto me and I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, where shall we return? Will a man rob God? 
yet you have robbed me. But you say, where, how, when did we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Now, this is God talking. I love the fact that this is God talking. And the reason I'm bringing this scripture out is because this is the place where people divide and they either say tithing is not for us anymore or tithing is the thing we have to do. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse nine. Here's the verse that gets everybody nervous. (laughs) You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, Patrick, would you do me a favor? Sure. I want you to read verse 8 and 9 again. Verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, wherein have we robbed God? Rob you in tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, here's the thing. Verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse. That's what it says. Right. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, here's where people get in trouble. And this is why so many people try to break off from this scripture and they go, I I just don't agree with that anymore because, because of Jesus, we're not cursed anymore. We're not under any curses. We are blessed. Absolutely. We're blessed. Here's the thing. Nowhere in this passage, in this passage here, in this passage here, it does not say this passage here does not say that God cursed you. I was going to say, no, this is a curse that was already No, it's a curse that you step under. Right. Why? Because all of creation, everything in creation, has trying to operate outside of the kingdom principles of God. To operate in kingdom principles, you have to transform your thinking and walk in the mindset of Jesus. So if I'm going to walk in healing, I have to believe he's a healer. I've got to change my thinking. If nobody ever taught me he's a healer, I don't know he's a healer. So I am now cursed with a curse. What does that mean? That means when cancer, sickness, disease tries to come upon me, the curse of sin and death is still operating over me until I understand there is a law of life in Christ Jesus. So now the spirit of Christ, the power of God now transitions me to a higher law, but I cannot operate in what I do not know is available. It's like when it says, when you step out of grace, the covering of grace Mm -hmm. into the law, because you, when you take the law back up, you've, You've taken yourself out of grace, yes. which we can do. Which we can do. We can absolutely God do. did not remove right. grace. You stepped outside of I'll the grace of by choosing to become a Pharisee, by choosing to live in the religious mindset that God delivered you from, which is why Paul says, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You are operating under truth and life and victory, which is why Paul rebuked Peter when he showed up. He said, why are you making the Jews to take back up the rudiments, the celebrations and the feast of the past? They are born again, but now you make them act like Jews of old. Right. So you stepped outside of the provision of God's power and grace into a legalism that he never wanted you to have, but your choice creates your reality. Which is good news. Ah, say that. That's good news. You have a choice. You have the ability to step into grace. 
the grace is flowing is just whether, like it says, whether we frustrated or not. Absolutely. Um, I find that to be great news. That's beautiful news <laughs> because it means whatever position you're in, the moment yes. you change your mind, metanoia, the moment you create another thought by the word of God, you can step into the oh. full realities that Jesus have released to all of us. That agreement opens that floodgate. Absolutely. So the same is true here. He says, because I gave you principles to let you live outside the natural economy of the earth, because God being God understood that men would become selfish, mm -hmm. greedy. We would create a structure and a system monetarily whereby we would create class systems. We would try to subject the poor to mistreatment, celebrate those by wealth who can attain to more wealth. We create a class system. We would then have nations and cities and situations whereby depending on your color, and what region you're in. We then would allow you more access to more money, wealth, better schools or privileges, but we discount you over here, depending on whether or not you're darker or lighter, depending on what area you're in. We create a system where we pay men better than we pay women. So now, so the whole world operates on a monetary system that is absolutely unfair and unjust in whatever nation you're in, it transitions that someone is always subjected to unfair, illegal, immoral activity because the love of money is the root of all evil. So God says, so that you are not a subject to international, national, or regional mindsets, privileges, and paradigms. I'm going to create an economy greater so good. than the economy of earth. So no matter how wicked your government, how crazy your ruler, how fluctuating your system, you can be stabilized My by man. an economy that is existent in heaven, that infiltrates the earth and that breaks the cycles of the past so that while your parents never prospered, you can prosper in the place where they lost everything. Yes, you can build a house where they said you never have money and you can start a business where they said you'd never win that's where i want to exchange my currency come on now <laughs> that's come on that's the ultimate exchange right there yes amen now that's where god wants us yes sir so i have a question for you okay if that's what god is calling us to wouldn't we want to learn how to do it absolutely <laughs> then that's the place so god tells us then the key to stepping into heaven's economy is not the will of men. For if, it, if it was the will of men, then it can always change depending on what men and their mindsets are at the time. It's not dependent on any denominational group because depending on what new revelation or old revelation you camp out beside, you build new structure there. So you leave some people out and some people in based on whether they agree with you. So it has to be based on something greater than that. So God says, I'm going to teach you a principle that will be eternal. Now, the eternal principle is tithing. Now, why is this important? Uh, we've read what the tithe says. He says, verse 10, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. Saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, the amazing thing about this promise is God says, this is the only verse in scripture where God gives men permission to test him. If God tells me you can test me, and I know God has never failed to test, 
He's faithful to his word. And he always shows up with more than I expected for I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. Then if God says, try me, I'm going to try him in the one place he promises to prove himself. Yes, sir. God doesn't say, test me in healing. He says, believe me, I'll heal you. He doesn't say, test me in deliverance. Command that devil to go and it'll go. He doesn't say, test me in your marriage. He says, love one another. He doesn't say, test me with your kids. He says, raise up a righteous breed. But money, God says, <laughs> if you want to know that I'm real and I can prove myself every time you can, give me something as a seed and I will show up with a harvest and you can live the rest of your life telling people, I know God is real. Not because he healed me. I know he's a healer. Not because he delivered me. I know he's a deliverer. He said, you can tell people like Solomon. You can tell people like Abraham. You can tell people like Isaac. You can tell people like Elijah had a raven. You can tell people like God shows up over and over. The proof of his supernatural kingdom was supernatural resources in unusual places. I don't have to wonder if he's real. I know he's real. I think even you mentioned before much of the uh, the miracles in the Old Testament, especially a lot during Elijah and Elisha, were financial miracles. Absolutely. Most of the uh, miracles that happened with the prophets, we don't think of them that way, but they were actually Resources, financial miracles, yeah. resource miracles. When you look at them, even the raising of a dead boy back from the dead was a resource miracle. Why? Because when the husband dies... The wife, the property goes to the eldest son. Now the husband is getting old. The son's about to die and there's no one to take care of her. So that means all this property is going to be divided up by servants. So when the boy is raised from the dead, it not only was a physical miracle, it was a financial yes. miracle because all that property that could have gone to strangers and servants right. now is kept by the eldest son. When he's waiting for food and the raven brings a sandwich, that is a resource miracle yes. in a place of famine. Here comes a resource. When the food was poisoned and the prophet said, bring me salt, throw it into the meal and they stirred it and the meal was healed. That was a resource because all the money they paid for that food, they would have had to buy more food. So God said, God could have gave them the money to buy more sure. food, but it would have been money that they now took out of their coffers. But now God heals it and says, that $1,000 you spent on that banquet that you would have had to throw away because somebody let the food spoil, just wave your hand and pray. And I'm going to restore your $1,000 investment in an instant so you didn't lose any money. And people know my kingdom is greater. Wow. It's resource miracles. And the floating accent too. I heard that from you. Yes. <laughs> I wish that was me, but that was... Uh. <laughs> But it, uh, the sons of the prophet, he would have become like an indentured servant, right? He would have become an indentured servant because the axe head was made from the iron. The iron, right. Now, it, iron was so expensive at that time that it took you a good deal of money to get a big enough piece of iron to be shaped by a blacksmith into a sharp edge. So it says it was an axe head he borrowed. Mm. So the sons, one of the sons of the prophets, he goes to someone who has metal who had enough money to buy this piece. He borrows it. I just need your ax for the day. 
This was a costly tool that he's borrowed. He takes it, he's cutting it. And while he's cutting by the river, he swings back and the ax head flies off. Now, what many people may not realize is at that time, if you made an ax, you took um, a good piece of wood and the, the hole you made into the ax, you would get a limb from a tree or a piece of wood and you would force it in there right. very tightly. Mm-hmm. Once you put it in there tightly, you then laid the ax in water and the wood would swell. Oh, I didn't know that. And as the wood swelled up, it tightened so oh, okay. that the piece of metal couldn't slip. Because even if it was on there, every time you cut, it would jar the wood and it would it could slip off, but you would leave it in water. So it meant throughout the day, and it's hot, the more he used it, the drier the piece of wood okay. got. So now he's cutting by the river. The wood has gotten dry. The ax head slips off. Now, I am going to be a servant to the man I borrowed this ax head from. That's why he came crying and said, my father, my father, help me. I borrowed this expensive piece of equipment and I don't have the money to pay it back. And I'm going to have to be an indentured servant, like a slave to him until I pay back what I owe him. And the prophet said, wait a minute, let's lift this debt off of you. So this debt you incurred while you were doing the work of God, this debt that came on you while you were building the house of God, Mm -hmm. this debt that was yours, accidental debt, Mm God does not want you to have to suffer through the mental anguish and the emotional issue of trying to get this all in order. Walk with me. He goes down and he throws a stick. Well, what stick did he throw? He threw the same stick that the ax head was part of because <laughs> they shove a stick in there and let it swell. So when the stick hits the water, it says the ax head, boom, it floats to the water. He reaches his hand in and grabs it. Now, this is important. Number one, it means that water always speaks of economies. Water in scripture, when you see rivers and oceans, it's speaking of economic flows, streams of income from one source, because the head of a a waterway is called a source. So from a source down through a a territory, everything that's, whether it's ships doing business, fish that you could eat and sell, You would move business products, everything. People would sit on the banks and get water and um, eat and wash clothes. So the entire community operated around the river. So the river spoke of an economy, economic flow stream of income. So this piece of metal, this tool, this job, this investment that I have lost in the economy that's Ah. flowing the economy my, swallowed my. up my investment. My, my. And I am now a slave to build back what the economy just swallowed up. I was working yesterday with this tool, and today my tool has been swallowed up by the economy I was working beside. If anybody's listening, this ought to be making sense. <laughs> <laughs> and the prophet said, <laughs> Don't become a slave to what you lost. Become a witness to what God restores. So the prophet stands by the water and commands the investment that was swallowed up to re-emerge. He said, now you grab it. So now reconnect with what you lost, 
Why? Because you're going to work the same thing you lost, the same business you lost, the same investment you lost, the same idea that was working before COVID-19, the same thing you were doing before. Don't lose your mind. Don't lose your peace. Understand that God is going to bring it back to the surface. The key is you've got to reach in with expectation and grab it again and then do what? Reconnect it, but let it swell in the water. Don't let it stay dry. Don't let it be dry this time. Don't run out of water. You were working your gift, but it got dry. What does that mean? You got to hear what the spirit is saying. (laughs) You got to hear what the so Holy Ghost is saying. Every time you pick up your gift, have a fresh My word from Lord. God saturating and soaking you so that you can do what? Now, if you get your gift back and your investment back and your business restarted and your restaurant reopened and your ministry doors reopen, now swing that axe with a fresh edge. Get your edge back. God says, I'll give you back your investment, but you got to get your edge back. Do it with a fresh edge. You're what cutting down wood to build the house of God. God says, I will break all poverty, reestablish your economy and give you back what you lost. But you're doing it with one purpose to do what? Get your edge back so you can help build the house of God. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, I think we're playing on a Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my, wow. I was not now, expecting that. Now, here's the last piece that goes with it. For those that are listening, and we'll dig more into this on the next one, <laughs> but I have to throw this out yeah. here. For those that hear all this and go, but I don't, I'm still struggling with the tithe as being part of what we do now. Good. The first time that the tithe is instituted that we really see, it's other places in scripture, but the Bible says, and we're going to dig into this in the next one because right. we're going to need a whole program yeah. for that one. The Bible says Abraham meets a priest named Melchizedek. When he meets the priest of the Lord, I think it's in Genesis 14, when he meets the priest of the Lord and he bumps into Melchizedek, it says he paid a tithe to Melchizedek. Because Abraham paid a tithe, The New Testament declares all men paid a tithe in Abraham's loins Uh. because we as the seed of Abraham participated in Abraham's tithing. I see. So as the seed of Abraham, the Bible declares that every believer is not only a tither, you were there at the first tithe giving. So you are supposed to continue the act of tithing now because the book of Hebrews says that Melchizedek, the high priest, received the gift in the old covenant. But Jesus, who is now forever after the order of Melchizedek, receives your tithe now. It is the only thing that Jesus now personally receives until we see him face to face. He is the personal recipient of your act of tithing. Your prayers and your worship do not go up to Jesus. They go up to the Father. But your tithing goes to Jesus. So when we tithe, when people say it's of the law, it is not of the law because the law began with Moses. 
So everything Abraham did was before the law. So everything before the law was an act of faith that is supposed to be continued by the people of faith. So we don't disavow or disannul what Abraham did. That's why we are children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. So like Abraham was a tither, we must be tithers. Abraham was a man of the word. That's why the scripture declares, just like Abraham, we speak those things that be not as though they are. Yes. So if you are seed of Abraham, tithing began before the law, which means the law did not disavow it. The law simply added explanation to it. But Abraham gave a tithe. Now why? I know this is making it a little lengthy, but we got to get this in here. Tithing is so important because the principle is this. I love this. (laughs) I love this. Me too. If y'all could see our faces. You're fired up right now. Oh. Listen, this is one of those if people could see I, us. Start posting some photos. This act of tithing was so powerful that God says, the principle that I am going to have my people participate in is so important that I'm going to have to give them the foundation of the principle from the beginning of the book. I see. Okay. So in Genesis, when God makes Adam and Eve, God says this. You know what? Y'all can have every tree in the garden, but one tree don't touch. That's a tithe. The whole earth is yours, Adam and Eve, and one day you're going to rule it all. But right now you're in Eden. So make one place look like heaven and then grow and have dominion. One place looks like heaven. The rest is still belong you. One out of many, a tithe. Uh. One place called Eden is where God met them, but the whole earth belongs to the Lord and to them. So one tree belongs to God. One location is where God would visit. One location out of many locations, a tithe. God says one family in the earth. Who was he talking to? One man out of many. Abraham, come follow me. So one man out of many men follows God. Tithe. We go further. One Family out of all families. Who's that? Jacob and his 12 sons. Then we have one nation out of all nations, Israel out of all the nations in the earth. God shows us the principle over and over that one out of many belongs to me. If you hallow the one, I'll bless the rest. If you set apart the one, I'll increase the rest. If you give me one, where is your one son? These are all the sons I have. Is there not one that you've left out in the field? David, bring David to me. And the oil that didn't flow for the others flowed for the one. So God says, one out of many is the principle. Now we get to where he says, if you bring me one out of 10, why? Because God makes it clear. It's not about the amount of your giving as compared to another. God could have said, The only way I'll call it worship is that each one of you has to bring me five pieces of gold. He is God. He could have asked for whatever he chose. He didn't do that. He said, according to whatever you have in your house, whatever comes into your house, give me one tenth. Percentage. Percentage. So the power of percentage means it is equal for all men. Yes. So God says no man can say it is laborious to ask for this. Why? Because if we understand that all I have is from God, then all I have belongs to God. 
So giving God one-tenth of what I have is not an insult. It is a celebration because he could have chosen not to let me have any of this. It's good news. But since he let me have <laughs> all of this, how could I not give him at least right. 10%? Do you know how happy I am when it's time to tithe? Yes. Oh, you see, you y'all know this. Y'all yeah, live I around see it, me. Yeah. I celebrate tithing because God has throughout 30 years of knowing him and 20 years of full-time ministry, God has supernaturally provided for me every single year for 20 years. Amen. I have watched him take me around the world, 60-some countries, and I am we owe debt to no one. Everything we built is paid for. We haven't had to beg, borrow, or steal. We've never sent out a letter saying, if y'all don't give this month, we're going down. <laughs> We've never asked people, right now, please, may the Lord tell you and send in an extra zero. If you don't send in three more zeros, then this ministry is going to shut down. Never. Because whatever God orders, he will pay for. If you operate by the principle, God will always make your 90 produce more than your hundred without him. That's the principle of the tithe. Why? God partners with you. If you keep the hundred for yourself, that means your entire economy of your life is operating under the power of what Michael Dalton can make his money do. The entire economy of your life is operating on what Patrick Adams can make his money stretch to do. But when God partners with me by the act of tithing, God says, oh, since you believe that I am able to make a seed produce a harvest that your eyes have not dreamed of, then I must now make your 90 outgrow your 100 yes. so that everyone who knows you will know he's living under supernatural yes. open heaven. It's better to have an open heaven and a full field than a full pocket and a closed heaven. Wow. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. Sir, I think we'll stop there yeah, for this so one. Too. Patrick, pray for us. Sure. Well, Lord, we just say thank you for your, just your encouragement, Lord. We just say thank you that you're just uh, aligning your people and setting our foundations and setting, setting the lines in array, like, Father, as you've been doing. And, Father, I say thank you also for the, the word on the axe head, Lord God, and what you're yes. doing with, with jobs and business owners and uh, churches and the things that people had their hands set to that the economies of the world and streams have uh, kind of taken over, Lord. We just say thank you that your economy yes. is, is supersedes them all. And uh, we just say thank you for the divine release of that strategy, God. Mm. We just say thank you for thank you. the strategy that really flows from your principles. Yes. So, Lord, I just say thank you that you are, you are uh, setting the principles. We are reestablishing principles. And for us... For, for us or whoever doesn't aren't familiar with your principles, Lord, I say thank you that they're being revealed thank now, you, Lord, Lord, that we can now move forward, Lord, with forward progress, continued momentum, Lord, yes. and that uh, there be no holes or would it be leaking oil or, or resources, Lord, but we just say, Father, have your way. Patch your all way. these things up. Patch them up, Father. Yes. We, we release ourselves and our minds and our, and our own, uh, any uh, anything that we would have thought to uh, promote, our own business or wealth or finances, Lord, we just surrender it to you and we say refashion it with your principles. Yes. Refashion us, refashion us, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just say, you know, I say thank you for Michael, Father, for mm -hmm. uh, for him to, for taking the time for these podcasts. Thank you, Lord. And, 
And then I'm, I'm blessed just sitting here to, to hear these oh. words, Father. And uh, I know many who are listening are just blessed and encouraged as well. Thank so you, we just say thank you. For, uh, once again, thank you for everything yes. that you are doing in this hour. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir.